Welcome to the Job Shop Show, where we talk with the owners, suppliers, partners, and customers of custom manufacturers. Listen and learn the secrets of top-performing job shops, the tools, techniques, and backgrounds that have made them successful, all in the quest of raising the bar for custom manufacturing. I'm your host, Jay Jacobs. This episode is sponsored by Paperless Parts, connecting buyers and suppliers of custom manufactured parts. The Paperless Platform is a secure, ITAR-compliant, cloud-based manufacturing system for suppliers that reduces the amount of time spent on sales, estimating, quoting, administration, and order processing. It offers seamless integration with the accounting and ERP software tools that shops already use, such as QuickBooks, E2, and JobBoss. Paperless Parts was founded with a mission to make manufacturing more accessible by streamlining the quote-to-cash process. Spend less time quoting and more time selling. Kazam! This is Jay Jacobs. Welcome to the Job Shop Show. It was my absolute pleasure to have Lance Thralkill of All Metals Fabricating join me on the podcast. What gave me goosebumps in our conversation is learning how people truly and absolutely come first at All Metals. It is not lip service. It made me want to work at All Metals. Lance describing all that they do for their employees and how the employees reciprocate. How it started day one with Lance's grandfather and has continued and expanded through today. Lance goes into detail how they have put into words what All Metals is all about, vision statement, purpose, core values, and how these words are embedded in the fabric of the company. He gives details and stories on exactly what they do. If you are looking for ways to put your people first, so they then naturally put your customers first, this is a must listen. It is people masterclass. Here we go. Welcome to the Job Shop Show, Lance. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, I want to go in a different direction for my first question to you because it is rumored that a great way to start an entrepreneurial career is to rent out hotels and host parties there. Would you have any <laughs> thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. So I, when I was 18, I started a party planning business and I'm born on New Year's Eve. So it kind of just fit, fit my whole persona. But yeah, fortunately, it helped me actually build a really large network of people that, of, of course, benefits you in life. The more people you know, uh, mm -hmm. kind of the, the better off you are. So it, it definitely has helped me. So tell me, though, the rumor what, is true. What, what, the rumor is true. So what, give us some more some more depth, some more details on because that sounds like a dream job for an 18 year old. Yeah, yeah, it was. So, yeah, born on New Year's Eve. When I was 18, I rented out a micro hotel. Me and my buddies put, and buddy put in like $1,500 each. We doubled our money. From there, I went to Doubletree and then to an Omni. And so I'm not even 21 here, renting out Omni hotels, you know, grossing 30, 50,000 that third year. And then our, our fifth one on my 22nd birthday, we did like 180,000. So netted 70,000, me and my partner did. And we had investors, of course, that we had paid. That was our return was net the uh, paying the investors back as well. So yeah, it, it was it was pretty wild ride. I ended up investing in a band that took off and worked with some Grammy winning producers, and it was a pretty pretty wild ride. It, you would think it would, you know, for a twenty something year old, it's definitely was a dream job. But you know, from from the outside looking in, things aren't always as they seem. You know, it's like I got to taste and experience 
you know, what I thought would give me life. And ultimately it, it wasn't, you know, it was just all kind of empty fun. And so it really helped me refocus my life, reconnect my relationship with God, which gives me ultimate lasting fulfillment. Um, mm -hmm. And that kind of happened in parallel when I transitioned to come on to all metal, which is what we're here to talk about today. So kind of nice yeah. segue there, actually. <laughs> well, we had talked a little bit before and there's definitely an impact on your relationship with God and how you have used that to make All Metals a unbelievable place to work. The reason I reached out to you coincides with that because speaking with Jeff Gorman, the paperless parts, he spent some time in your shop physically there and he said to me, Jay, you have to reach out to Lance. You got to get in touch with him. These guys amazing they're doing stuff that i don't see anywhere else and crushing it in so many ways so i've got a, a bunch of questions for you we're going to dive into culture and people in depth because i think that's where you guys really excel to give someone who's listening a framework could you talk about all metals and who you are what you do all a little detail so people understand you as a shop yes sir yeah and thank you first off thank you for the encouragement and the kind words definitely really appreciate that our our people have built a great culture and and it's a privilege to get to be a part of that so the like, all metals fabricating was founded in 1953 as a metal fabrication plant my grandfather bought it in 1978 dad joined him about a year later within a year and and at that time, they were, <laughs> when they first bought the business, they had a contract with Greyhound buses to build these bus benches. And it's kind of a funny story. That was a big selling point for the seller to my grandfather, the buyer. And my grandfather built them one time and canceled <laughs> the contract because he said they weren't making any money on it. So here he canceled yeah. the, the big selling point. He bought it for $250,000 because back then that's what they sold. It was based on revenue. And so mm -hmm. that's what they had done the previous year. And he canceled their biggest contract and quadrupled the sales in the first year. So, and we're wow. positioned nicely in, in Richardson, Texas at the time, which is a suburb of just north of Dallas. Mm -hmm. uh, and right, that's right in the, in the telecom, you know, Dallas is a big telecom hub, but over there in particular, there was a bunch of telecom companies as well. So we're positioned nicely and, and they really rode the wave of the telecom boom in the eighties and nineties. And also they did some banking equipment, both on the consumer side where you, you pull up to a bank and, you know, put the, you know, the tube in the metal housing and also on the cash processing side. So we've had two, you know, 40 year customers on that side. But other than that, it was pretty much all telecom up until, you know, the telecom boom busted and uh, mm -hmm. at the end of 2000. And so at that point we'd moved to Allen, actually we'd moved. So here we moved in a brand new building and 70,000, 86,000 square feet when you include our mezzanine. We just bought our first laser. And so it took on you know million dollar risk plus on that. And then mm -hmm. half of our sales got yanked out from under us. So at that point, that, that was the only layoff we've had in, in the 45 years that my family's owned it was that that year we lost over half our sales. But, you know, we take away from that was we started really focusing on diversifying and then I doubled down that when I came in on 2008, just even even more so, just really focused effort on that from a marketing standpoint and pursuing. Up until I came, they had never spent a dollar on marketing. It was just purely word of mouth and, and just natural growth from referrals. 
Mm-hmm. So we are we are in, started out as just sheet metal in the 90s. We added some machining capability so that we weren't as dependent on outside vendors. That has grown tremendously. We have a very capable machine shop as well. We want to be a complete solutions provider for our customers and from a manufacturing standpoint. And so what that's looked like is us you know, adding a powder coating business, that mm-hmm. in-house, adding machining, adding electrical mas- assembly work, adding design for engineering purposes. So, so th- th- you know, with all those things, we can basically take you from concept to, you know, prototype production, and then all the way delivering a completed unit to your, your customer. So our customer's customer and, you know, electrically tested, ready to go type of thing. So that kind of gives you a full picture of what all we do. We've got 70 employees here in Allen, and that we're just enjoy the opportunity to serve them to the best of our ability. And you said your grandfather still comes into the office and your dad is still actively involved? Yes. Yeah, so my grandfather, when he retired, he didn't have a retirement party. He had a change of job party and he became <laughs> a, he had business and everything. He became a full-time rancher out at our family's ranch. And a few years into that, he fell out of a tree and broke his back. And so the doctor told him he would never walk again. Of course, he was walking in six months, all but with a with a, a walker, you know, some assistance mm-hmm. there. Anyway, so let's say he, my grandfather won't let him be out there by himself anymore. <laughs> so she's not going to live out there full time. So he now comes into the office every day. And we have some other entities that he's still involved with and uh, kind of oversees a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, he didn't know any different. That generation is the greatest generation to ever live. They built this country with their bare hands, literally. Right. And so work, work is their life. And, and, and my dad's not far from that. And he is still actively involved. He is our, our president by title. He functions mm-hmm. more as an account manager, estimator. That's his primary role. Also does some of our purchasing of our raw materials. He, we really got him in a sweet spot. Two things that he really enjoys is, is business development, estimating, really working with customers on, mm-hmm. on DFM, you know, design for manufacturability and, and just serving them. And, and he really likes purchasing metal for some reason. So he, he's got long standing relationships with our <laughs> vendors. You know, they, they all, he's like a legend in that industry over there. So he enjoys it. Awesome. Well, it's always fun to work with your family and have them where you get to see them in the work environment, not only on special occasions, which sometimes happens, even if they're close. If you're listening, we're going to get into people and culture, but you brought up a couple things that I wanted to go back to. You diversified. What percent, maybe if you know, are customers one, two, and three of sales for you guys now? I mean, it changes from year to year. One is between typically between 25 or 20 and 25 percent to 18 to I don't know maybe 15 to 20 percent that one's changed a little bit to all the top three or are, are and then the next one's probably 12 to 15 percent something like that so 20 to 25 15 to 20 12 to 15 maybe um, maybe about 50 percent of sales or yeah than that. that that might be a little high I might be yeah, I, I'm used to looking at it as the top ten. So the top ten would be, would be like seventy percent of sales, mm-hmm. roughly. So, but then we've got several hundred customers. We have a, unlike a lot of shops our size, we we love the entrepreneurial spirit. We love to serve people, and so you know we don't have like a minimum account requirement to to mm-hmm. start here. So we've got a bunch of you know ten thousand dollar accounts and whatnot. Do you have a minimum? line item charge or PO charge? 
We do have, so it's kind of like a, we have a, I think on our website, it says a thousand dollars. If somebody calls up, depending on what it is, let's say 500 to a thousand dollars. I mean, generally like, so, but that doesn't necessarily apply to our current, like existing customers. That's usually just right. a, bar- a parameter for it. We're really good at SEO and marketing now. And, and so we get a lot of nonsense calls. And so we kind of use the higher threshold as a way to test how serious they are you know just we'd, we'd love to do favors for people and and do that type of thing and occasionally we do we kind of say like hey, if we can do it for free right then while they wait just do it and don't charge them you know but yeah. like other than that we typically say five hundred to thousand dollars is our minimum when in reality like our setup charge i mean we can't do anything for less than really 250 300 dollars mm-hmm. and and actually make right. money you know so right that's why i asked I'll share a f- funny story. We had a an arch competitor and it was probably more in their mind than our mind. Mm-hmm. And to needle them a little bit, if we've had someone who wasn't a fit for us or who the the work, you know, those <laughs> dog type jobs, we'd say, you know what? We, we can't handle this right now. We're not a great fit. But, you know, there's this other company who's just super at doing this sort of work. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's funny. That's a good story. I I never talked to this competitor to find out if they sort of knew what we were doing, or maybe they were sending people to us too. Who who knows? But it was yeah, that's funny. Yeah. The other thing that you mentioned is never had spent money on marketing, and you came in and you started to spend money on marketing. So if someone is hesitant to spend money on marketing, what would you tell them? Why, what are the benefits you see? Why do you keep doing it? And maybe some areas where it's a good investment of dollars and time. Yeah, I think so. Give a quick story. So like when I, like back in 2010, I noticed that whenever we got somebody to our plant, gave them a tour, a a, prospective customer, that we almost always landed the deal. So I had the idea, I was like, let's create a video tour of our plant Mm. online and then let's you know start marketing people. And at the time, my dad was like, I can't imagine that we'd get business from somebody that would never come to our plant and they're going to send us POs. And then like within within five, if not 10 years, half of our top 10 was was all from you know, leads that they'd never been here when they sent the first order. <laughs> it was just, and so, yeah. you know, that that's just kind of, a, a, you know, shows you like, OK, well, if half of our top 10 is from that type of stuff, then obviously it's been worth it. You know, I will say that you got to, I can't always, I don't know a better way to say this. That's the way I always say it, but you got to sift through the crap to get to the good stuff, you know, but it's basically mm-hmm. like when you start putting yourself out there from an SEO, I've kind of steered away from Google. AdWords, what is SEO? SEO, search engine optimization. And so, you know, we're actually partnered with Paperless Parts. They took over our account for that, but we've been doing SEO since, 2010 at least and then there's you know google ads and which we've now transitioned more away from that that you get a lot i think a lot more junk just from my perspective um then you do you get more qualified leads from seo and so and the difference is the ad is just what pops up right at the top and you're paying per click so that's why i don't really like it as much because you're paying for every click whether they're good or not but yeah yeah i think that it's a new day and age and the more you can do to get in front of people you know i can just tell you our experience that you will get a bunch of stuff that you don't want but all it Mm -hmm. takes is one account to make it all worth it 
Um, Paperless mm-hmm. Parts is an incredible program. And so that that's who we're using for marketing right now. They've got several different tiers of plans that you can do. And and I think that they have a great team and put a lot out. Social media, I mean, I, I, we've gotten a, a lot from LinkedIn too. That's somewhere we get a lot of leads from. So we're not necessarily marketing on LinkedIn, but we are posting to LinkedIn. So you're creating content and the SEO, the search engine optimization, if someone searches for terms, then if you have content that has those terms in it, the Google is smart enough that they know that it's not a ad type thing, but it's actually something that the searcher is looking for. And that's why they present a blog post, for example, exactly to somebody who's searching and particularly LinkedIn. LinkedIn, it's not a search engine. So if you're searching on LinkedIn, you're going to find almost entirely content. And if you yep. don't have any content, you're not going to be found. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, the, uh, the optimization is based on new. So like the Google algorithms, like you have to be constantly putting out new content. So it started with a base number of words, how many times that word's found on your website. And then by having new content, you're able to stay on top, which all of which paperless parts can, can help with. And, and there's a number of companies out there as well. So yeah, it always amazed me, and I guess it shouldn't, but at Rapid, the bulk of our new customers came from internet marketing, whether Google ads or our website, and they trusted us. And a lot of times these were, since we did the prototype, these were product engineers who had deadlines. And if we didn't deliver, their literally their job could be in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. And the trust though that people will give you without a site visit sometimes a lot of times without even a phone call it's all email or using a, the submittal form on the website and that's the way business is done today if if you're not yeah. gearing to allow customers to find you that way then you definitely are missing out on a, a chunk of your potential audience Totally. I mean, you got you built your business at Rapid on that. You could write the book on all this stuff that you're asking me about. So, Matt, I know it's big. Well, up. it's it's one thing yeah. for me. It's one thing for me to say it, though, Lance. It's it's another thing. You you are doing it today. You you have options. You you could do something. You could say, "I'm we're not going to spend any money at all on marketing," but it's a good bang for the buck for you. And, oh yeah, for sure. It's a must. Yeah. Yeah. The other question I have for you, we never got into, we did some light assembly is more mechanical assembly and not so much the, the electrical side. And you said you get to the point where you're actually doing electrical testing. How did you get the confidence to, to do that? Did you get a job from a trusted customer who said, figure it out, Lance, or someone at all metals. And that's how was your tiptoeing into it or was, how, how did that happen? Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of both. And it's still, there's still a little bit of a hurdle for us to be totally transparent. What I mean by that is like, we don't have an EE, an electrical engineer mm-hmm. on staff. Our director of operations is an engineer is very, I mean, he could basically be an electrical engineer as well. So he's certainly been instrumental in that. A lot of it early on was, I mean, even before he got here, we were doing some where a customer would come in and train us on it. They wanted to outsource their you know, assembly work and they would train us on it. And then Jim coming on the team, 
helped amplify that and our ability to, you know, one thing was we had a, a customer, we were doing all the, the, the metal for and the, the general assembly, they were supposed to be doing the wire harnesses for it. We were just going to be plugging the wire harnesses in and their vendor who we had connected them with kind of bailed on it and we get left holding the bag. And so that was, you know, we had to dive in and, and really gain a lot mm-hmm. of knowledge in, in that project right there. And then, yeah, so the, the one, it really helps when the customer comes alongside us. So right now we're doing a lot of, we're building these cryptocurrency mining power supplies. And so the mm. customer's sourcing all of the electrical requirement and has built the process and then we just implement it and so that really helps one it helps him save money because he's not paying markup from us on all the electrical parts he's able to write the process we can tweak it you know to how we best see fit um and so it's it's really a partnership in that way but if you send us a, a project to quote an electrical assembly that can be a challenge for us because it's like with paperless parts we can bang out quotes you know in no time from sheet metal and even like a mechanical assembly really quick but then to go line item by line item to go price out all these electrical you know components and to really know how long it's going to take to assemble all those that's that that's a gap that we haven't necessarily nailed down yet and that's what we're kind of working working through right now but we haven't had to nail it down because we've had the customers help along the way on the opportunities that we have had so yeah we had created a division rapid wire cable because i thought wow there's this is a huge opportunity and we it, it's different than sheet metal and machining and that it, we, we never got it to take off. And I don't know if I'd kept the company, whether we would have been able to push it to the next level or not, it, but it is definitely a different animal. Totally. So let's get to the people side. Yeah. Let's do it. When did you join the company out of school? I joined in 2008, got my master's in accounting, and I was working kind of part-time for the first year and a half getting my CPA license mm-hmm. and was studying, was working underneath our outside CPA firm. So taking over the, doing all the, the financials and, and all the, everything that they were doing, I was now doing for all metals and in the process of learning that and getting my CPA license, getting my hours required mm-hmm. to get the license working under direction. So I was really kind of full-time and more in 2010, I would say, and really stayed in that accounting role. And I took over a lot of what my grandfather was doing, like high level, like managing our 401k platform, our payroll, like payroll, what else was it? And some investments that we had, some things like that. Oh, health insurance. So like big picture things that he was H kind of HR side that he was doing. Yeah. When you came in and full-time, you describe that your father and grandfather had led the company naturally as servant leaders. And you had this culture baked in to all metals. And you were able to look at that and say, and this is my, my phrasing, I want you to and say it, uh, what really happened, but essentially you you put a structure around it and maybe made it more f- formal and acknowledged what was already happening. And that allowed, once you put words to it, to really blossom. Could you talk about the that embodiment of being servant leaders and how you saw that as an opportunity to take it to the next level? 
Yeah, absolutely. So servant leader is just somebody that puts the needs of others before themselves. And so Mm -hmm. you're putting other people like your success is defined by how the people beneath you are doing. So they're successful, then you're successful. You're putting them first before yourself. And my grandfather and my dad, that's just who they are, right? They didn't know the term servant leader. That's just who they are. They put other people first. And so um, as I came and observed it, 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 you know, was able to like define that. And then by defining it, you can transfer it, right? So mm-hmm. it's you're able to teach it to others. And so the company was even set up in terms of like the compensation package and, and different things where even the way that that's set up is somewhat putting the people first. And so what that looks like, all that was in place, right? So I want to be just mm-hmm. clear about what the benefit yeah. that I gained from that was 15% 401k profit share plan. So every year, even in that year, 2000, we lost 60% of our business and lost a bunch of money as well. My grandfather, and my dad funded the 401k 15% of, so we take what everybody's gross earnings is, multiply it times 15%, put that in a 401k for them. Guaranteed Christmas bonus. So if, if I could stop you for a second, folks, you're about to hear some incredible things that are part of the standard compensation package at All Metals beyond getting a weekly paycheck. And you describe that 401k as a profit share, but it really sounds like it's it's a percentage of your earnings. Your wages are automatically put into the 401k, regardless of whether there's profit there or not. Exactly. Yeah. That they Because of the way that it's structured, they call it that profit share, but you're right. It's a 401k. So it's a 15% you would say match, but it's not a match because whether they do it or not, we're putting 15% in and we're doing it. We always say it's not guaranteed, but like we've done it every year for 45 years. So, um, and then fully covered healthcare, we used to actually do it for the whole family and we still have people pre-08 or are grandfathered into, they still have whole family coverage as long as their whole family is eligible for that. But because of drastically rising health insurance right. costs. In 08, we had to pivot and just fully cover the the individual, the employee. And so, I mean, still, I say just, most companies don't even fully cover them. Right. So, and then we have quarterly performance bonuses. That's something that I've, they were already giving quarterly bonuses, but I've tied it to performance rather than they would just tie it to company high-level performance. I've now tied it to incentivize it based on individual performance combined with company mm-hmm. performance. And they've always done a guaranteed Christmas bonus for everybody. And so th- th- that's what was in place for everybody bef- before I got here. And and it, the reason I say that that is built into the servant leadership model is by having a compensation package like that. And the reason that it is like that is to set people up for success. Like we want people to be able to retire from here and like uh-huh. almost protect them from their by putting it in, in a profit share or 401k, you almost protect, you're saving money for them, right? Like you're not we with people are not good at saving. So like, let's just save it for them, put it in and set it up for them, covering their healthcare. Those type of things are because we wanted to care for people in a radical way, set them up for, for, you know, our greatest joy is having people be able to retire from here and walk away with, with a good retirement. And so that was all in place. And that, that is all a servant leader mindset. And, and really even, and one other thing that, that's not mentioned in there is also how we, we allow people to work as much overtime as they want up until 20 hours. And so even that as well, you would say is like, okay, that, that's, a, that's a perk. People are able to work 20 hours of overtime. They can almost double their income that way. 
you'd say, well, why are you doing that? That would be hurtful to the company's bottom line. Well, you might think so, and, and you could make a case for it. But when we have you know, virtually zero turnover and we can attract the top talent with a phone call, you know, I mean, instantaneously attract top talent, it's, it's uh, the, the people just don't factor in the cost of, of firing and hiring when they make statements like that. And so, and then also the cost of quality. So by having people, you know, yes. low turnover, we have higher yes. quality because all the same people are working on the same products all the time. So this really gets to the crux of it, what you're doing. And, and we and I'm going to have you talk about some other things that you you add in, but this is expensive. And someone may say, I can't afford to offer all of these. I, I wouldn't have any money left over. And I'm sure you're paying competitive wages as well. Otherwise, even though it's nice to have all those extras, if you don't have a competitive wage, you're not going to track them or get them interested but for some of the things that you just said it is actually the you've eliminated costs that are perhaps really hard to see but definitely are there and so well let's talk about that a little more mm -hmm. hiring and firing i don't have any numbers off the top of my head what it costs to hire someone bring someone in train them and all that but you say you don't have any turnover. Let, let's amplify that. Let's go into that a little more. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, they estimate the cost of hiring. They can say, I mean, it depends on the position, of course, but I've seen studies that say 50,000 or say 100,000. I mean, you think about lost work, you know, and you're, you know, getting behind schedule. And, and I get it. Like, I would say that, like, people that are, okay, well, this is all cost way too much for me to do. Okay. Well, really at the bottom, at like what matters most is, if people know you care about them. So if people know you care about them, they'll do anything for you. And so if you're mm -hmm. put, genuinely putting them first, then they're going to be the one, they're going to want to stay there and they're going to do whatever for you that needs to be done for the best of the business. But I think that like a one good one to start out is the overtime, right? Because it's yeah. gonna, if your business is growing, try that. And because and that'll, if nothing else, you'll be able to you won't have to invest so much time on hiring people. And then if the business have, slows down, you're not laying people off. Do you have mandatory income tax by the or, or unemployment tax as well? You know, there's just all right. sorts of hidden costs you know, that people don't think about. Our unemployment tax is the lowest you can possibly pay. That is, yes, that, that's one of those little things that you put it together with a bunch of others that adds up. Do you mandate overtime? No, I think that we've got a, a pretty unique culture in that like people see a need and just need it. And and so, and a lot of people, so we don't even have to say like, hey, this has got to go out Monday. You need to come in tomorrow and do it. People just do that, which is pretty remarkable. So this though is a, this is why putting people first, think about how much angst in a, in many companies when you are trying to figure out the overtime and who's going to do that, it's, if you're taking care of your people, and I want to emphasize, you put people first, not the customers first, not profits first. You're putting people first, and you're not doing it tiptoeing in or halfway. You've jumped in full body, and <laughs> your people appreciate that, recognize that, understand that it's a team. and as you just said, you don't have to have those discussions. They 
it, it happens because people understand. And again, that's part of having people there for a long time. They understand the rhythms and they totally. understand each other so that, hey, you know, Lance may not be able to come in because he's got a new baby and I've got to suck it up and for the next six months and, and do a little more than, than I might want to or usually do. Yeah, but it, you're so right. I mean, a lot of it is just the benefit of having people here for a long time. But I, I do want to highlight that it it is also hiring to your core values, right? So, like, I'm like, okay, let, let's yes, yeah. let's let's get in. Let's get into you yeah, put so into you put into words what your grandfather and father created. So, what's core values. You did a bunch of other things, but let's start there. You created core values that were already there, but you put them in words. Yeah, exactly. Me and the leadership team did an exercise and it was just unanimous across the board. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was crazy how consistent it was. And like, we, we did it even twice in like the exact same, like slightly different groups. And, mm -hmm. uh, but there's, there's two that really differentiate us for, I mean, they're all, we live them all out. Would you all, state every, what they all are? Yeah. So the, the first one's whatever it takes. And that was a phrase that my grandfather used to come out and say, like, I don't care whatever it takes, get the, get the work out the door, get the job done, you know, type of thing. And it's kind of like a joke that just became this like real thing and like yeah, really yeah. embodies who we are. And that's what I was saying about hiring to the core values is because most people don't have the mentality of whatever it takes. Most people just want to come to work and get a check and go home. And so like a lot of people just won't fit in here. And so having those real conversations on the front end and knowing like, they want to work a bunch of overtime. Like they want to do whatever it mm. takes. Like that helps on the front end. Like, you know, whereas a lot of times in manufacturing, I think it's like, do you have a pulse or do you know how to do the job? And like, <laughs> okay, there's no, like, just get in there and do it type of thing. That's how people used to be hired here, <laughs> you know? And so it's like, yeah. and I know yeah. how that's a lot of shops are because I, I get that feedback, but whatever it takes. And, and really, uh, we really interview to, to these core values, especially that one. Whatever it takes is the main one, I'd say. And then we care more is the other one that really differentiates us where we care more for our people. And as a result, our people care more for our customers. And so we put our people first and we're just generous and helpful with them. And, and as a result, they, they put our customers first. And so we care more. So whatever it takes, we care more. Relentless pursuit of excellence. So that's just you know high detail, high precision work constantly improving, you know, high quality. So then innovation, we're always looking for ways to improve, continuous improvement, we're continually mm -hmm. investing in new equipment, and then honesty and integrity. And so really, it's just integrity, but I, I break it out into honesty and integrity, because I think some of the blue collar might have trouble identifying with in, the word integrity. But just, I mean, my grandfather, my dad, like, when I interviewed somebody in college, asking my asking about my grandfather and learning about him and his, his mm -hmm. business and and the guy said, one thing you can always count on is whatever Bill said is what it was. He said, he'd tell you the price, he'd tell you what he's making on it, and that you could take that to the bank. And so we've saved our customers millions of dollars from correcting PO amounts that they had, the you know, one piece price instead of a thousand piece price. And that's the type of stuff, you know, just, just this last month, last two weeks ago, a million and a half dollar piece of equipment didn't show up. It's supposed to show up. We ordered it 10 months ago. And, you know, we had our machine tool provider saying, we'll provide you a bill of lading that shows that, that you received it. And, you know, our account's like, that's all we need. And we're like, hey, this, so this is a half a million dollar tax swing decision. And I just said, I can't send you an email saying that 
that I have received it and it's in production. And so, yeah, that's the mm. type of like real, like it's not, a lot of people put integrity on a piece of paper as their core values, but we really live it out. So, and I, I can't take credit for that. Just, I mean, I, that's what I've learned and that's what I'm now replicating. So and those are core values. Yep. And the people in the company see that though. It may not be announced at a company meeting that you did that, but a few people know and, and, and they, they can, talk. <laughs> yeah. And they talk. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You also created a vision statement. Yeah. So our, we want to be the, the, and this is cool is like, we all that this, some of this is developed through EOS. Um, it's entrepreneurial operating system. There's a book called traction on it. And, mm-hmm. and so we're on EOS. And so our part of this is like, you know, I think as visionaries, you can make these core values, you can make your vision statement, but if it's all you doing it by yourself, then it doesn't really matter because it's not going to have the buy-in from the group. And so our team came up with the goal to be the the 10-year goal of being the most automated job shop in the world, the best and most automated job shop in the world. And so that's something, especially this younger generation, people need to be connected to your why. So our why is serving people with excellence with a goal of becoming the most automated job shop in the world. And so Serving people with excellence is the why behind we do what we do. That's mm. We're making metal parts, but really it's about serving people, serving our, our employees and our employees serving our customers, all with excellence. And so by by putting all this out there and educating people, it connects them to, the, to why you're doing what you're doing, which is especially important with the younger generation and really hiring and great. I mean, we have just did our 360 reviews and grading the people to them to the core values and how, how they're doing and where they need to improve and and so really living it out hiring to that and grading your people to it so many cool things uh, one thing yeah one thing i do want to talk about is kind of some new things that that i had implemented to double down on that i think one thing yeah I, I, so i think you know people need to understand the why they need to understand the goal what they're working towards but then even take it a step further they need to understand how they're them running that press break and hitting that same part, you know, a thousand times in a day connects to what your company goals are. And so we opened up our financials like 10 years ago where it's, you know, oh, yeah. we, we, we don't give them the like full income statement because it'd be too much to digest, but we're given sales, we're given net profit margin, we're given EBITDA, EBITDA we just introduced this year just to try and help educate people because the net income number can be moved substantially by us of course by what we buy in terms of equipment but so the reason i share all that is so with our performance bonuses we and and we have these dashboards that show how each person that each employee has their own dashboard which shows how they're doing as an employee Mm. for their being on time how many hours they work what what their utilization is so like how long they are how many hours they are here versus how many hours they're clocked in on a job and then their efficiency so Mm-hmm. You know, we quote a certain amount of time for every job for them to do. And so if they do the job in a faster time than was given to them, that they're now they're now making the company more money. And so by right. connecting that to the people and then paying them, compensating them for So like everybody that goes over 100 percent efficiency in a quarter that we meet our our company goals for, they get an extra five hundred dollars. And we're even trying to monetize it even more so that the more you make the company, the more you can get back. And so by connecting the, okay, here's our financials, here's our net income, and this is how you're contributing to the net income. By you running this machine faster, getting this job done faster, you are now adding to this number. And so connecting them to the company goals, you know, only way we hit our sales goal is if you are able to get all the work done that we need to get done. And so working that extra overtime to help get us to get our sales goal. And so you have everybody working towards these upper level goals, which our goals are 
sales, profit margin, and order acceptance rate are the three corporate goals that, that, that are on. They're all displayed. You know, they can see live time what they are how they're tracking as a company on those in each department. And then they have their departmental KPIs at the bottom. And so all, by connecting, you know, connect people to the vision, the why, and then how their daily job contributes to the goals of the company and rewarding them accordingly has been a game changer. That's been something we've done in the last few years is, is really figure out the performance bonus. Mm. That's been something I've wanted to do for 10 years. And finally, through, you know, new developments in, in technology and data collection, been able to, to roll that out and really excited about it. Which particular pieces of technology and data collection have enabled that? Yeah, so I think it, it's one thing. So have we building the dashboards for the people. So mm-hmm. having a, each employee have their own dashboard. It, for me, if we were going to be compensating them on it, I, I wanted them to be able to see it at all times so they know where they're at. They're not at the end of the quarter getting blindsided, right. you know, like, oh, well, I didn't know I was not trending in the right what direction. What software do you use That's, to... Yeah, that's through a company called Data Inventions. Their umbrella name, I think, is Allura. So I'm not sure. It's either Allura or Data Inventions. Allura is their machine monitoring software. So they have machine monitoring software. And then out of that, also, they build dashboards. And this is a, the, I co-developed it with them, or we co-developed it with them. And we've made, we've told them as part of that process that they can now sell that to anybody. Mm-hmm. So you might want to, they, people may want to tweak it to match more of what they want. But that that's offered there as a core product from Data Invention, and you can you can look them up and go to Laura.com and, and look them up and and also reach out to me. We'll share my contact at the end. I'll be happy to point people in that direction. Appreciate that. One of the things that I think is incredible is the way that you've taken the sand out of the gears in enabling people to work together better, and specifically you address conflict resolution. Why? And how did that come about? Yeah. So, I mean, you think, so us as men, you know, make a, a generalization here. It <laughs> can be dangerous, right? But typically we're conflict avoiders and most people are, right? Like most people are conflict yeah. avoiders. And like my father's generation and my grandfather's especially, like they're just no nonsense guys. Like, you know what I mean? Like somebody's got conflict, like you guys figure it out. I'm not going to get involved and, and, you know, you guys should be able to work together. But you know, people, especially in a job shop environment, people are high detail, like they don't forget anything. You know, if you're a high detail person, typically you remember everything. And so with that can come resentment. And so when I got here, you know, I had observed like there was in our well department, we had some people that had been here for 40 years, 30 years, 20 years. And then there was a bunch of new guys as well, or newer five, 10 year guys. And like several of them would not talk to each other. There was like no communication. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, we're all going to sit. I just pulled them all in the cafeteria. I was like, we're going to sit here and we're going to hammer this out until everybody's on the same page. And you guys don't have to like each other, but I, like, we're not going to have any resentment here. I want everybody to feel comfortable coming to work. And I want, if you need a question answered, you're going to be able to go to each other and ask each other that respectfully. And so we sat there for three or four hours. And I mean, people were laying stuff on the table from like 10 years ago, you know, it's just like, <laughs> you know, but like, and since then we've now developed a, uh, I took, it was actually, a, it's called our conflict field goal guide, sorry, conflict field guide and it all metals conflict field guide. And we, I actually took it from our, our church and, and modified it. They had one that was really good and it just, it just helps walk, people walk through conflict. And so, and we've, we've kind of got our rules like, Hey, if you're going to bring something to me about somebody else, 
we're, we're going to just know that like, I'm going to go grab that other person. We're all going to talk about it. So don't be coming to like gossip or badmouth somebody like, unless you're ready to deal with it, you know? And mm-hmm. so it's, it's our, it's our human nature to want to avoid it. And, and I've been guilty of it too. It's like, ah, I'm in the middle of something like, I'm not going to deal with that. And then it'll blow up in my face. It'll be a big fight, you know, or not physical, but like argument, disagreement, or somebody will want to quit if you don't deal with it when it happens. And so anytime that me or somebody in management knows, and even the leads on the floor knows about a conflict that's going on, we force reconciliation. I mean, that's like, I'll bring people in. I told our best welder three years ago, if you're not going to ask for forgiveness, I don't care if you think you're wrong or not. If you're not going to ask for forgiveness, you can walk out the door and you're not going to have a job anymore. Because what I always say is like, everybody can own 100% of their 1%. So own 100% of your 1%. And and so like in, anytime there's a conflict, both people are going to have something they could have done differently and something they could have done better. So that's really the core, but it's just accountability and ownership of what you could have done differently to make that have gone better. And and that even applies to quality, right? Like what <laughs> can you get a reject? Like what could you have done better to, you know, even if it was the customer's drawing that was wrong, you know, right. but, but in life, anytime there's conflict, everybody needs to own a hundred percent or 1%. And by doing that, it, it has really just broken down walls and, and, and allowed a, a culture where people can communicate and work through things. And it's the last thing you ever want to deal with as a, as a donor. I mean, there, oh. there's, it, you say, I, every time I'm dealing with it, I'm thinking, God, this is an absolute life suck and like this is a waste <laughs> of my freaking time but then i said their mind myself like n- nothing's more important because nothing will impact your culture more people's job enjoyment more and like even their productivity you know <laughs> so it, there really is nothing more important than working through conflict and doing it in a way that is healthy and good yeah yeah what i really am impressed with lance is you are and the company are doing the hard work. You don't avoid hard things. And there are other people involved, but requires a leader. And you are the leader. How did you figure this stuff out? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of it, thank you for that, by the way. Thank you for that encouragement. Um, I think a lot of it was was watching, you know, my dad and my grandfather's example and how they did it. And I'm super competitive. So my goal in life is to be better at my dad than everything he does. <laughs> you know, like those, <laughs> he's my hero, but I just want to beat him at everything. So, you know, so I'm learning from the ways that I think he could do things differently and do things better. And, and we talk openly about that. And then really, I would tell everybody, like, find a, a good mentor that can mentor you. And so I had that under, I served under a pastor in our church in a ministry, and he just discipled me. I learned a lot from him that owning a hundred percent of your 1%, I learned from him and just watching him, just life on life, you know, coaching and, 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 you know, you start to become, as you see other people do it, you start to implement those things. Just constantly growing and improving yourself and finding like whatever you need to be able to do that. So I learned it a lot through him. His name's Jonathan Pecluda. He was a pastor at our church in a CEO small group. So we get together for half a day a month and we talk about, you know, we have bring different speakers in and different things that, and really it's just a place to, we hold each other accountable because everybody needs accountability. Like, and at the top, you know, you can lack accountability at a time. So like, I've got them holding me accountable to being, you know, doing well in each of the departments that we monitor and grade each other on monthly. 
um, and then also just content, you know, learning content there. You can do YPO is the way to do it. C12 is a, is a Christian organization that is a, like a CEO executive group that you can join. Vistage is another one that you can join. And they're expensive and really time commitment is kind of the hardest thing for business owners, I would say. But I tell you, there's nothing more that you can, better that you can do. I've seen a huge shift in myself in like the last two years of being able to remove myself from the business and work on myself and work on the business because I that was a you know my dad he's like a I mean he's just a he he was never that way he always just do 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 you know in the business 100% yeah. like all the time and so that was an area that was a stretch for me to like okay I'm going to step out and do this a little bit differently and it paid dividends in return and just continuing to, to learn and grow and having other people hold me accountable and having other people to process things with right like outside of your mm. leadership team yeah but but really also just like if you don't have a leadership team at your company that is owning the different business functions with you know like HR and accounting, sales and marketing, operations, quality. If you don't have somebody that is owning each of those and accountable to you and accountable to one another for the things that need to get done in that department, and you are all weighing in on decisions and all making big picture decisions together, it, as an owner, it's like, I just want to make decisions all day, every day and move on. Right. So it takes more time to have everybody involved, but I'll tell you, it is the most rewarding thing because now you have buy-in. Like, for example, like I don't even buy a new piece of equipment. The person that decides which equipment we buy is the mm -hmm. operator, the lead in that department. So I have leads making, mm -hmm. you know, we bought a $2 million laser that a lead making, you know, $50,000, $60,000 a year made that decision, right? So like, wow. but he's the one that's using it all day every day. I tell them, I'm like, hey, I'm your fall guy. If it doesn't go your way, it doesn't go well, like it was my fault. But if it does, then you get all the credit and you pick the right machine. And so- my point in bringing that up is just like having buy-in, whether it's the people that are going to be running the equipment, the people making the big picture decisions. And so putting together a leadership team and having them really own their buckets um, and mm -hmm. me getting out of the way and just being a support, you know, support for them and holding them accountable to achieving their goals individually for the company is, is instrumental. And I'd say that 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 alone is is huge in your own personal development because what it allows you to do is you get out of the way and doing yeah. a lot of the things that, that, you know, you think have to be done and allow other people to own them. I totally agree by joining a small group, whatever it is, you mentioned a few, I, I love some of the little things you also do for your people. And maybe you could touch upon some of the fun things as well as well, let's, let's run with, what I know you're doing, but I want you to get out there. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, doubling down on other little like perks and, and things just to show people that you care is, is what I think you're talking about. And so yeah. we, we have a company chaplain that comes out and walks the floor once a month and just checks in with people. And just so he knows what's going on in their personalized stuff that they might not want to share with their boss or, mm -hmm. you know, their, their lead or whoever. And so he's there as a, somebody for them to confide in and he can pray for them, encourage yep. them. He also gives encouraging messages quarterly as well. So that's just a, a nice benefit that people really appreciate, especially when they're going through a tough time. And so we have a, a gym. We, we actually, the, you know, people can work out here. That's free to them. We recently, last year, I've, I've been really focused on health in the past year. And so we started doing, I got a personal trainer comes in and trains me. And then I did an open circuit workout. So we've got 
you know, people doing this, anybody can take, take part in 30 minutes open circuit workout with a personal trainer during lunch. And he's actually doing goal launching with them and body scans and all this stuff. It's super cool. People are super thankful for that. Um, we got mm-hmm. sports tickets. So I love doing things for people that are like, they wouldn't be able to do for themselves or they wouldn't ever do it for themselves. Like, I mean, sitting fourth row at the Mavs game, you know, like they're not going to go spend a thousand bucks on a Mavs tickets ever. I mean, that's, that's life changing stuff that like, they're going to go have a memory with their kid, which is something mm-hmm. I remember going up, growing up with my dad. It's like one of my favorite things going to Mavs games with him. And so getting to bless other people with that and, and being intentional with it, like, Hey, I see you doing this. Like, you want to go do this. I use it as a reward to people. And we have, you know, Mavs, Cowboys, Rangers, all of them. And then, yes, I mean, stuff like that. I mean, there's, oh, we do a company hunt. That's a big thing that really culture builder. So we're down here in Texas. So we like to hunt, you know, and so every year we take whoever wants to go, it's usually 10 to 15 guys go on a big hunt and, and, you know, me and my dad are cooking the meals for them and serving them. And, and they just get Mm -hmm. to go do things that they wouldn't otherwise get to go do, you know, I mean, it's expensive to go hunting and so get to go harvest an animal and and feed your family off of that. And Mm -hmm. we, you know, paid for people to get, you know, taxidermy and stuff like that. So things like that are just, they go, they go a longer ways than you think. And, and that's why I go back to just like, what can you do to make people know how much, like, care about them and and like if you don't naturally feel that way if that's not naturally how you're wired i would tell you emotions can follow discipline so like Mm. start to start to look for ways to do it because you know it's what's best whether you feel like doing it or not and the reward and the feeling will follow and so you might you know you not might not feel naturally inclined to do that and some people are more naturally generous than others just look for things to do and and even if you don't feel like doing it do it and i assure you you will not regret it and those things are when people know you care about them they'll do anything for you and that's not why you do it yep. right but it's right. a nice nice result of it <laughs> what you just said i i, I want to highlight that because people want the end result and or they want the action but the way to perhaps get the action is by taking the first step towards the action. And I've, I've heard it expressed, action begets action. Mm-hmm. So if you want that action, take an action that will get you there. Exactly. If you want to work out every day, drive to the gym. Yeah. And, 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 and that's that's a win. You, you drove to the gym. You're in the parking lot. Yep, Maybe you don't totally. want to go in, but the odds are you'll, you'll probably go in. Yeah, I heard another called try storming. So like you hear me talking about all these different things, whether it be yeah. you know the twenty hours overtime, four one k, you know, covered fully covered health insurance. Instead of brainstorming, what you can do just try storm, right? Like try storm, try implementing something, and you know, and and see what your people respond well to, and see what they like, and and then if that doesn't work, then try something else. Like I think we as leaders can get yes. too too afraid of failure, right? And so, but just remember at the heart of it, take nothing else away, like what can you do to make them feel and know that you care about them? And part of that has to be like checking yourself, right? Like one thing I do is like, I'll pass out checks myself every week and just say, I'll, I force myself to do that, you know, as much as I can. Sometimes I have to have other people do it for me, but what it does is it goes and gives me an opportunity to check in with every person and say, Hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? And knowing what's going on in their lives and following up about it when, you know, the next time I talk to them, 
And so when people know you care about them, they, they'll do anything for you. And, and I'll just finish with a quick story that I know you want me to share yeah. about, about Homer. So we won the yeah. 2019 Industry Week magazine award, which was just an incredibly humbling experience and, and, and award. And so as part of the process, they have an auditor come out and, and uh, kind of question you and audit your numbers type of thing. You have to submit, submit it. And then there's this you know, different qualifying process. And the final one is that's audit. So they come and audit like the top five or whatever. Mm. And so um, this auditor was coming out. She was talking with Homer, who's now been here. This is his 47th year. So he was actually here before my my family acquired the business. And so she asked Homer, she said, Homer, you know, you've been here for at the time it's 44 years or something. And she's like, well, why have you stayed this whole time? Well, And he just immediately just started bawling. He just like, and he could always could get out. <laughs> All he could get out is I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> All he could yeah. get out is is because they've taken such good care of me. And it was like, I mean, it was just this this amazing moment. And and then he went on to say like how early on when my grandfather he just was giving an example. He said early on when when Bill first bought the business, I know he never told anybody, but I know that he was you know he was working here for 18 hours a day, and then he was going and working another job just to be mm. able to make payroll. And so he never missed the payroll. I mean, you can imagine it grew from 250 to a million in the first year. So anytime there's growth, there can be cash constraints, of course. And so him just, he, he's like, I knew he was working two jobs to be able to make sure I was paid and, and always took great care of me. And, and then, you know, just went on to share some other examples, but that's so I, I share that one because you know I can't take any credit for that, but that just from the get go, like putting people first. That's what my grandfather did. He was putting yeah. people first. You might think, well, of course they had to make payroll, but yeah. But some people may have said, hey, I'm gonna get back. I'll pay you next week. Can you wait a week? You know, let me let me catch up. But no, he was doing whatever it took to to make sure his people were taken care of first and foremost. That is such a beautiful story, and it definitely encapsulates everything we talked about today. Mm -hmm. It's it's embedded in the fabric of all metals and some of it is conscious. Some of it is who you and your family are Thank and you. it's come together. So I'm blown away. I, I heard some of the stuff you're talking about. And I wish I still had a company so I could implement some of those <laughs> ideas and try some more things. So thank you so much for sharing Lance for letting us get a glimpse of all metals and how you look at taking the theme, the idea of putting people first and applying it to our industry. So really appreciate the time and the opportunity to chat with you. Is Absolutely. there anything else? No, I just, I love giving back. So like if anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out to me. You know, it's Lance at ametals.com. Trying to sell me something, don't reach out to me. I'm about to get back to you. But but if you are genuinely wanting to, if you're a manufacturing company, I open the playbook as you can see for everybody. And so I, I'm happy to be a resource. There's plenty to go around for everybody. And so I just I'm really passionate about people being empowered at work and getting satisfaction yes. from their job because if you're miserable at work, you're going to probably be a miserable husband, a miserable father. You know, it's going to impact and bleed into yes. everything you do. And so I'm very passionate about making people feel um, cared for and enjoy their work as much as they can. And so anything I can do to help you on your journey, be happy to be a resource. And if I, I can share the conflict field guide as well. That's something I share and you can put your own company branding on it. I can, we can put that on your website, Jay, and or if people want to email me for it, that'd be great. Well, 
you are so generous with your time here, with your offer to the listeners there. And that's, it's evident in, in, in all metals and yourself and, and gosh, I probably talked to you for another hour. We didn't even, we didn't even get into what is being the most automated job shop yeah. in the world is all about. We have to have a round two. We'll have automation. Yeah, we'll do a, we'll do a round automation. two. All right. <laughs> yeah. So if you are listening, here's my ask. Listen to this again. Take lots of notes. Find out what resonates with you and try. I forget the way you, you put it, Lance, but you know, try a try bunch storming. of things. Yeah, try storming. Yeah. yeah. Try storming. And, and go for it. We're only here once on this earth and we have the opportunity to make it so much better by being a good person and spending quality time with everyone we're around. And I think Lance really pointed us in the right direction on how we, we can make that time better. So thank you again, Lance. You. Yeah. Uh, I just dawned on something that everybody yeah. matters. The book, everybody matters by Bob Chapman. It's all, it's a manufacturing, he owns manufacturing companies, but that was a, that's a really helpful book on, on making, you know, putting people first. And so everybody matters. That was a big transformational book for me he just you know he's got talks he actually has a, a leadership institution so he'll come out and help your team implement this type of stuff mm. as well so check out everybody matters by bob chapman and their leadership institute that they've developed as a result of that thank you for sharing yeah, yeah. so maybe that's a that's a place for someone to start mm -hmm. all right all until right. next thank time thank you so much yeah till next time keep those spindles turning and those lasers cutting have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to the Job Shop Show podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Not only do I read every single one, it also helps me understand what content matters most to you. Thanks again for listening to the Job Shop Show.